The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Last night, my wife and I were at Harbison, and some of you may have seen this picture on Facebook that I put. I took this picture in Columbia, South Carolina last night. Folks, for those of you who aren't near here, one person commented on my Facebook that it looks like big pooper scoopers. You're right, Glenn. That's exactly what they are, because that is the only reason that anybody would need that in the state of South Carolina. I mean, you do realize that we were one of the three, kind of one, two, three of the 50 states, or it made the continental states, that had no snow or no wintry weather all last week. None. Zero. And let's be honest, even if we did, who's going to shovel it away? I mean, there's no reason to shovel your driveway when you live here because, A, everything's shut down and there's nowhere to go, and, B, it's probably going to be melted by noon anyway. So here are these massive shovels sitting there and just collecting dust. Or maybe some kid walks by and begs his mom or dad to buy them. That's the only reason those things are going to hop off the shelf anytime soon. You know, i got to be honest with you. Having lived down here since 2006, I missed the wintry weather that I got when I was in North Carolina. It was like a God-given day off. You know, hey, you don't have to go anywhere for today or tomorrow or the next couple of days. But the wintry weather people got this week? Oh, no, 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 no. You can keep that. Because there's a difference between snow and ice. It all looks pretty, but one of them lets you keep your power on. And this week was absolutely horrible for people throughout the country. Oh, overall, five million people lost power this past week. 4.5 million of them were in the state of Texas. And the temperatures in Texas were in the teens and 20s. I mean, I don't know about you, but I saw pictures online of water pipes that, that had burst and, and like cascading streams of ice were in people's living room. I saw a picture of somebody's aquarium that was nothing but a block of ice in their home. I can't imagine having to live through... Well, that's not true. I can't imagine because I have. See, I, I've had to live without power for extended periods of time a few times in my life. The first one was Hurricane Hugo. We were without power for a week, and, and that was pretty bad. But you know what? It was in September. You can open up some windows and turn. Well, you can't turn on fans, but you can fan yourself at least, right? But now, in 2002, when we were living right outside of Greensboro, North Carolina, a massive ice storm hit. And we got an inch and a half of ice. An inch and a half of snow isn't that much, but an inch and a half of ice is deadly, dangerous, and devastating. And 
it made life extremely difficult for us for a few reasons. One, location, location, location. We lived in a community that was sort of off the beaten path. You have Greensboro here, Burlington here, and then we were in little old McLeansville right here that was nothing but farmland. And so we were not on the high priority list for anyone to come and return our power. Number two, we lived in a neighborhood that had a community well. But no one thought it would be a good idea to have a generator hooked to that community well. So when the power went out, so did our water. Number three, in that same power grid happened to be our cell phone tower. So when that went down, so did our cell phones. And in our home, while we still did have landline back then, all we had were cordless phones. And you know what you got to have with a cordless phone? Power. Lastly, it was pretty bad because we had French doors. And it seemed like anytime you walked past any window in our home, because it wasn't the most energy efficient thing in the world, it just, it was like cold air was blowing in. But the worst part of it all was the fact that our child at the time was 17 months old. And you cannot explain to a 17 month old child why it is 30 degrees in their home. And it was so cold and, and you couldn't escape it. I mean, I would have gone out to my car. I had the idea of going out to the car, you know, and turning on the heat, except for the fact that I couldn't chisel through the inch and a half of ice that was on my car at the time. It was like this inescapable misery. And that's what the people in Texas and, and throughout some of the rest of the country have been dealing with, is this inescapable misery. Have you ever dealt with that? I mean, maybe for you it, it was an ice storm or... Maybe it was just a, another power outage. Maybe your, your air conditioning broke down in the dead of summer, which is a bigger deal in South Carolina, right? I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do to cool off. I mean, there's, it's just this misery. Or, or have you ever been out camping and the weather's bad and, and you're soaking wet? You can't get dried off anywhere you go. But maybe your inescapable misery is something like chronic pain. That no matter which way you adjust your body or, or what medicine you take, the pain is always there. Or maybe it's, this, it, it's an illness, whether it be a temporary illness or a long-term illness, that you just feel awful all the time. Maybe it's grief as you mourn the loss of someone very special to you. And no matter what you do, it seems like everything you see reminds you of that person. Maybe you're in a bad relationship or a bad job or, or you're struggling financially and it's just like this unending, inescapable misery that you're caught in. No matter where you go, you're miserable. It's not supposed to be like that for us though, is it? I mean, we believe in God. We're either in person or tuning in to church, right? I mean, surely that deserves something a little special. We ought to get a little feather in our cap for that, right? I mean, it's all about karma. You know, you do good things and good things happen. You do bad things and bad things happen. Well, we do good things. So why are we stuck in an endless cycle of misery sometimes? Well, folks, first of all, we're Christians. We don't believe in karma. That's what Hindus believe in. 
But the truth is, part of going through trials and tribulations is what it means to be a human being. And we know this because Jesus did. In our gospel reading today, we have Mark's very short version of two stories that are drawn out in other books of the Bible. First is Jesus' baptism. John's baptizing, Jesus shows up, he's done, he walks out, he, Jesus sees the heavens torn apart and a voice from, from heaven says, You are my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately, immediately, the Spirit brings him to the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil and he's with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now, in, in Matthew and Luke, we hear the whole temptation story, don't we? You know, where, Jesus, where the devil shows up and tempts Jesus this way and that. In Mark, it's not really about that. It's that Jesus was in the wilderness. And see, I think the wilderness is the place where we often find ourselves. It's that place where we seem and feel like we are utterly alone. We're sort of wandering around with not much direction, not much understanding. And that's where Jesus finds himself. And while Jesus is there, it says that he is tempted by the devil. And I think that is something that we all deal with as well, isn't it? Because when we're lost, when we feel alone, that's when we get tempted. Because one of our greatest temptations is to be like God. That we can make it alone. That we can do this by ourselves. That we can make sure that whatever happens to me, we'll handle it, right? Because God doesn't give us more than we can handle. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Do you believe that? See, when we're in the wilderness, we believe that we can handle it. That we can take care of ourselves. That, that we have what it takes. But the truth is, sometimes God does give us more than we can handle. But God never gives us more than he can handle. You see, my friends, when we are in the wilderness of life, when we're stuck in a, a constant cycle of, of what is seemingly endless misery, we begin to believe that, that we're by ourselves. But the truth is we're not. We're never alone. God doesn't promise us an easy street, but he does promise that we will never be left alone. We have God with us, giving us strength, giving us courage, giving us the ability, giving us the people to overcome whatever it is. And in the end, we also have the promise that no matter what happens in this world, that there is always the next world, the gift of eternal life. See, we'll find times where we're in the wilderness, just like Jesus did. And yes, sometimes we'll struggle with temptations, just like Jesus did. We're not immune to that because we're Christian. Because while we're Christian, we're still human beings. 
but we do have that promise that God is with us. You see, in Scripture, the wilderness show, helps with, is shown three ways. First off, separation. It's that feeling of being by yourself. And then it serves the purpose of preparation. Because while you're working by yourself or while you're feeling by yourself, you begin to realize that you can't do it by yourself. And that prepares us for the revelation. For us coming back into the world and realizing, yes, we can't do it alone. But that we aren't alone. That we have the, the God who loves us enough to send his son to give his life for us. We have a God who saves us despite our insecurities, despite our faults, our failings. A God who saves us. We have this God with us at all times. Even in the wilderness. Even in the endless misery that we sometimes find ourselves in. So when we're going through that, instead of asking, why God, why? Ask what? What am I being prepared for through this? What am I being strengthened to do? What am I being called? Where am I being sent? Because that's why we find ourselves in the wilderness. See, Jesus came, as he came out of the wilderness, that's when the story really took off. This is just in the first chapter of Mark. And from here, Jesus goes out and immediately begins to to proclaim that the, king, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Well, my friends, I'm here to tell you today that the time has been fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus Christ has come into this world. Jesus Christ has come into our lives, into our wilderness, to show us the way, to give us the strength, so that we too may go and proclaim the good news. Amen.